0: Every celebrity, their thought on Thursday and Friday would be, how do we skip the <laughs> Beckham just flipped that on his head. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.
1: The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk.
2: All right, welcome along. It is Thursdays off the ball. Nathan, with you until 10 o'clock this evening. We've got a busy show ahead. John Giles will be in studio. We'll hear from him on the football show. Uh, we'll be talking about Jack Grealish, who's been in the media quite a bit this week. Uh, looking ahead to the Republic of Ireland's two internationals as well, getting John's thoughts on that. Uh, after 8 o'clock, we'll hear from Munster Shane Daly. He is one of the capped players who is on the Emerging Ireland squad who are heading to South Africa on Sunday. I will talk to him about that and also the change of coaching ticket Munster and what it means for him. We'll check in on the very latest at the Women's Irish Open at Tremona Castle, where Leona Maguire has started very nicely. And we'll also head to Scotland. Gavin Cooney is over there ahead of the game on Saturday night. Uh, As always, 53106 is the text number. Add off the ball on social if you want to get in touch. Uh, Richie McCormick is with us. Good evening, Richie. Nathan, how are you? I'm all right. Joe Malloy, how are you? Very well, gents. Hello. Uh, So, Paul Pogba's gone. He has left our lives forever and uh, moved away from uh, Graeme his radar. So Graham has zoned in on a new target and that target is Jack Grealish. It is the mm. beef we didn't know we were going to get but it is the beef we're very much starting to get on a daily basis. So Jack Grealish was in front of the media yesterday and was obviously asked about the uh, fairly constant criticism that seems to come from Graham Souness and he had a bit of a bite back says you know, he's on Sky, he's on Talksport. I can't really get away from it. Everybody tells me he clearly has some sort of an issue. Uh, so, Graham Souness was on Talksport on uh, one of his many media outlets today and had another go. I can't do a Scottish accent so Richie, I think the way this can only work is if I say what Graham Souness said and you do Graham yeah. Souness straight afterwards, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really putting you oh, on the spot here. There we go. Uh, so Two Gra- players, at it. Okay. So he said, I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with anyone.
0: I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with anyone.
2: I'm sure if I met Jack, I'd really like Jack.
0: I'm sure if I met Jack,
2: I'd really like Jack. I think he's a cheeky chappy. I think he's a cheeky chappy. I'd like to have a night out with him as well.
0: <laughs> I'd like to have a night out with him as well.
2: I'm a toastboard with you guys, which I'm loving. <laughs>
0: I'm on TalkSport with you guys which I'm loving
2: I've a column with the Daily Mail in which I get a chance to express my opinion
0: <laughs> I've got a column with the Daily Mail you know where I get to express my opinion
2: I don't know if this is a very good Grimes actually it's, it's definitely a Scottish accent it's better than my Scottish accent I'm just, not, it's, it's not quite Jim White levels Richie but, but we get there we go with the last couple of lines can't do Jim is up here I've had over 50 really years in the game it, I think I'm entitled to an opinion
0: I've had over 50 years in the game I think I'm entitled to an opinion
2: I just feel don't be so precious I just feel don't be so precious and now Jack Grealish is going to have to come back at him again that was very good Richie yeah, make I it prove the that listeners come and get, get in very touch 5-3-1-6 uh-huh. your Jim White is definitely on, a, on another level
0: <laughs> oh, the I've listened good. to you, too much Jim White that's the problem I think
2: Uh, Graeme Souness did point out That uh, When I was having a goal At Paul Pogba It was because it was Manchester United And I think it was the first one To call Pogba out As being an average player In our league I think I was proved 100% right At the end of the day So He was a trendsetter He got on the Pogba bandwagon Early He started the Pogba bandwagon He's been proven right Is he Is he he been harsh On Jack Grealish Joe?
1: Mm. No Don't think so See I think it's just He gets asked about him So often And especially on that Talksport show they have a couple of go-to talking points and definitely one of the talking points over the last uh, two years has been Grealish. initially like his behavior or maybe misbehavior in lockdown really put him on their radar i thought and he was a good talking point and then big figure for england in a sense that he could be doing more and now with the move to city over the last year there's a constant and we would do it ourselves to be fair we would talk about greelish because he's a very interesting case study because you feel like if he you know, blossomed under uh, Pepe could be really, really special. And I think the points, because I was listening to the initial uh, chat, I like I, I listened to that show a good bit because I like Sunis and find Simon Jordan kind of entertaining in his own uh, unique way. And what Sunis was saying was uh, something he had said about Grealish a long time ago, and it was that, you know, uh, does he see the picture quickly enough? Um, he, you know, he's the most foul player and, and takes the most touches because he's not moving the ball on quickly enough for my liking, and you know he catches the eye because he's such a lovely dribbler. But actually, is he hurting teams the way he could be? And I don't think they're unfair criticisms. And this came hot in the heels of the really bad performance in Dortmund. And yeah, he scored the goal against Wolves and had a few kind of nice, mazy-ish uh, dribbles. But I like I think Jack Grealish should be the first to admit that it's not going um, all that well. And I thought, to be fair, when Grealish was asked about Souness's criticisms, he wasn't that precious, he wasn't that upset. He, he, he even made a point of saying, oh, like, Graeme Souness was a great player, you know, and I guess he's everywhere and he gets asked about me. And, you know, it was, Grealish was certainly not saying, you know, Graeme Souness needs to lay off. And, and they're kind of both trapped now because uh, what the other has said about the other is relayed via a third party, mm. so so it's like, Sunnis has a real cut at you, and then it's like, geez, Grealish has really hit back at you, Graham. You said you're a bully, you know. It's that it's that kind of uh, uh, fulfilling media dynamic at the moment. But um, I don't, I don't think, I wouldn't disagree with much that Sunnis has said about Grealish. It's just it's that uncomfortable thing where it's like then put to Grealish and on we go. The other
2: thing that stood out yesterday when Grealish uh, all the media appearances that he had made or it was, I presume it was just actually one press conference and it was turned in a million different ways as these things are uh, was when he described himself Richie as a normal kid and everyone said sort of Jack Grealish is 27 Jack Grealish is 27 you still have in your head that, <laughs> that Jack is Grealish is 23 day? and is this developing talent and you know give him another couple of years at City and then he'll really flourish and maybe be one of the best players in the world another couple of years he's 29 it's, it's all over Jack
0: yeah, yeah, all over is probably a bit of a stretch, obviously, but um, like there is, there, there, there has to come a point within the next eighteen months where there is a massive uptick in his product is is, and I, I mean that in the sense of what he produces for City in terms of assists, in terms of perhaps goals as well. But like, I, I just think what he is now at City is commensurate with the player that he was at Villa, which is somebody who does take a lot out of the ball, who will draw fouls from defenders and earn an advantageous position for his side now that works really well when you're in a middling to lower uh, half of the table team like Aston Villa when you take a step up to City you do kind of need to produce a little bit more you do need to have to find a couple of little extra wrinkles to your game because if you don't then you do find yourself under pressure from the likes of Bernardo Silva Nilkai Gundawan, and Riyad Mahrez for your place whereas he was he was the man Villa mm. and I think that's suited you know him to it, a T to be the central focal point of a team like that
2: is the criticism think, not slightly different at City I, that he almost doesn't take enough out of the ball worse. that he's yeah. that he's the ball comes to him there's a defender to take on and, and John Giles was in earlier we spoke about this and he really feels that and maybe the contradiction to what Foden says about playing to a stru- more structured system and what Pep Guardiola says about him is when Phil Foden generally gets the ball Phil Foden goes at the defender like, his first yeah. thought is to either go with the defender or get it into the area quickly. Whereas it just feels when Grealish gets it, like he, he just looks a shadow of the talent that was at Villa. He wants to take almost the, the easy conservative option, uh, we assume, so as not to annoy Guardiola by losing the ball.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be listening to John Giles about that because I think Grealish has gone massively backward in that respect. I think he's now become the worst thing a footballer in Grealish's mould can be, which is a self-conscious footballer and an overthinking footballer. And it was interesting yesterday. He because he's quite open, so it's, it, it makes it very interesting to get, you know, a sense of what's going on. Because he said yesterday that Pep uh, encourages him to take a, t- touches in the ball to, to to dribble, and and that there's no pressure to take a touch and move it on. And yet we know Grealish has spoken in the last uh, couple of months that he's very conscious of not wanting to lose the ball. And so for a, a player with Grealish's attributes. He is caught, I think, in no man's land. And I think we saw that in particular against Real Madrid, where he, he should have taken on his man more and he didn't. And he just gave the ball back and, you know, stayed outside of the Madrid defence and recycled possession and, and therefore offered nothing. Whereas at least for Aston Villa, it was like, yeah, it was higher risk, but it was like, I don't care if I lose it that much because I'm their best bet. So there were there were a few Hail Marys in there and maybe he, he overdid it at times, but Jesus it didn't have come off plenty. And now, as the, like call it taking the easy option, the safe option, the I won't get in trouble option. And, and so what is he? You know what I mean? Because he's, he's not metronomic passer and he's not going to dictate the play with his passing. But if he's not, if he's not taking people on and, and having these risky moments, then he's nowhere. And I, I, I think there's certain players where you see where their confidence goes. I feel like when I watch Grealish, I can feel him thinking. I feel like when, it, when Jack Grealish gets the ball now, I can almost I can feel the wavelengths of thought. The, um, uh, first thought take him on oh no don't do that anymore go inside Ooh, but I could take him on and it's just it's nothing and you mentioned Foden. Foden's a good example Plays with Foden gets the ball sees something and plays with clarity and I think Grealish has lost that clarity I think he's lost his confidence actually
2: and Fod- like Foden makes such an impact in the biggest games I know Guardiola was somewhat critical of Foden a couple of weeks ago that he hadn't started the season very well but straight after the international break City play United they play Liverpool two weeks later you have to assume Foden is on that team ahead of Grealish because constantly in the biggest games, he is the one who makes a difference, who makes that cutting pass, who skips around the defender at the right time. And it's hard to think in the year or so that Grealish been there that of any big game where he has been the one you look at and go, "Who was really the game changer in that one. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, your thoughts on Grealish is that, like the cheeky chappy line that Soonis came up with. And obviously he, you know, ends up in photograph out having a good time, and you, you never hear too much sort of around the game or from pundits or anyone who'd be on about Grealish like you know, you know, going over the top. But like sooner said, I'd like to have a night out with him at the end of the season when Roy Keane's talking him. It's ah, oh, stay away from the top shelf. Ah, oh, type of guy I'd like to have a night out with. Like, maybe that is a bit of a reputation that can start to stick with you, and if you're not performing, it turns the other way very quickly. Of you know, it's it's not at Gaza levels, but. Like if that's sort of the impression that the main pundits have of your professionalism at the moment, it's not really an ideal scenario for Grealish to be in.
1: Oh, true. And uh, your point about him being 27, I, I sort of think of him as 24, mm. you know, 23, 24, cheeky chappy, that's OK. Yeah, 27. We don't know what he's doing, I guess. So that's where we're kind of limited. But there's so many um, nods to it and allusions to it from various people that you've got to think there's a little bit in it you know and it's kind of striking he's even talking about how he's not quite fit at the moment i know there's a bit of an injury but like you're kind of thinking as richie said i uh, forget 18 months i mean if at the end of this summer we're still seeing the same grealish would you bet your life on pep not making up his mind on him would would you take him back and move on then if he's not
2: yeah, the, the the Villa fan says they would absolutely take him back. Uh, we are in the news round. Uh, it's brought to be Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, so, to start us off, Richie, the Women's Irish Open, we'll check in with Ashley O'Reilly in a while. Uh, for the success of the tournament, you want Leona Maguire to be there in contention all week long, and she started perfectly. Mm
0: well not exactly started perfectly she bogeyed two of her first four holes today but she did card a five under par opening round of 67 eventually at the Women's Irish Open at Jermall Castle the Cavan golfer is two shots off the joint clubhouse leaders of Lena Boakvist of Sweden and the Isle of Man's Alexandra Payne next best of the Irish is County Clare amateur Aidan Walsh former guest of the show uh, just a week or so ago who opened with a one under par round of 71
2: today Uh, For such a brilliantly successful golfing country, Joe, uh, it's a bit of a stain on that, that there hasn't been a Women's Irish Open for the last decade, considering what had been built at Killeen Castle around the Solheim Cup, that that was just allowed to disappear into the ether. Uh, Leona Maguire, it was a late announcement, but she's there, she's playing, and you just hope now that actually she can stay there and they get big crowds and it creates a bit of a buzz and this becomes just a regular event on the calendar.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they had great crowds in 2012 in Killeen mm. Castle. You wouldn't have thought in 2012, God, this thing is dying uh, due to lack of interest. And we know the trouble, even the men's Irish Open uh, suffered as well over the last kind of decade plus. So it's, it's it's difficult and it all comes down to it's definitely all down to money as opposed to lack of interest, because Port Marnock links in 09, there were great crowds. And yeah, look, I, I, KPMG are on board now and you you would think that's going to give it a sense of momentum over the next uh, couple of years. The the, the prize money is still incredibly uh, low by comparison with the LPGA uh, tour. But um, look, the, the ladies European tour is struggling. You know, we talk about that a bit on Golf Weekly and it's a constant struggle and COVID was massive blow to it. So this sort of feels like the wheel's just starting to turn again, but like quite slowly. And if you didn't have Leona Maguire in that field, it wouldn't really catch the eye at all. And, you know, She's KPMG links and sponsors. So uh, she was always going to be there and it's her home home uh, tournament. Um, yeah, yeah, you hope. I, 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 golf financing is a curious beast. And, you know, geez, there's, there's mumbles that live are going to look at, at taking on the female game mm. next. So you, you just don't know from one year to the next at the moment, it's so volatile. But yeah, like it's crazy given the crowds they'll get. It's crazy that there wouldn't be an Irish Women's Open for sure. Uh, there's a big game in the League of Ireland tonight Richie a month or so ago Shamrock Rovers had
2: games in hand and there were opportunities for them to move you know, 10, 11 <laughs> points clear and it felt like it was pretty much done and they could sort of rest players in the league and focus solely on Europe and bit by bit they've struggled to keep both moving alongside each other it's been a disappointing week losing in the Cup uh, easily beaten in the Conference League and now they go to Shells tonight uh, one point clear of Derry two games in hand but any more slip-ups and you got yourself a proper title race
0: yeah it'll be four points the gap between themselves and the candy stripes tonight if Rovers win away to Shelburne but as you say it will just be a solitary point uh, with just one game in hand after tonight's game a 7.45 starts there is at Talca Park tonight elsewhere Wales are in Nations League action away to Belgium this evening their group 4 leaders Netherlands are away to Poland in group A1 an injury hit France play host to Austria and Croatia play Denmark
2: so, this has been talked about quite a bit over the last few days. I started with some speculation, but mm-hmm. Preen confirmed now. Uh, Stuart Lancaster and Racing, it looks like it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, the Racing head coach Laurent Traver confirming today that the club has held talks with Lancaster. The Leinster senior coach will reportedly hold a video call with Traver and Racing owner Jackie Lorenzetti about a role at the club for next season. However, speaking ahead of tomorrow's URC date with Benetton, Leinster head coach Leo Cullen was pouring as much cold water as he could find on talk of Lancaster's departure.
3: Well, we talk all the time, yeah, like, you know, always during this the this, this season, so, like, you know, you think you're coming to this start of the season, um, but, like, everyone's always making plans for the future, and that's players and staff, backroom team as well, so, you know, it's like the, the silly season um, is there always, you know, up until a point where, you know, things get finalised, so we're going to be in this period of speculation, shall we say. Um, and we can't comment on other people's speculation. And that's, you know, we're, we're trying to talk about one person specifically um, who's been amazing since he's come into, into the group. Um, yeah, but like, again, like that's we're just commenting on speculation. So it's, you know, how long have we got here? Um, but um, yeah, we do deal with all these cases individually. Um, you know, just the nature of it, like generally people are signing not much longer than two years. So we're always, it's almost like every year there's 50% of your coaching and playing roster are off contract. So you just got to go through with that.
2: I thought initially, Joe, this might be the usual contract negotiation ploy that we have seen through the years where, you know, Sean O'Brien is about to sign for a French club. Oh, he's giving serious consideration and then, you know. A contract is signed uh, 20 minutes later with the IRFU for the next two years. and uh, Maybe short Lancaster, this was a
1: bargaining tool. It does feel like there's quite a bit of substance to this now. Yeah, it sure does. I first heard about this a couple of months ago, mumblings of an approach. And then when nothing came of it, I thought, well, he seems so happy in Dublin that he's just uh, turned it down, even though Prospect of being head coach in Paris with that racing team, there's a lot of attractions to it. and uh, Then... It started appearing in the press and Jerry Thornley of the piece last night saying it's all but happening and, you know, that the, the conversation's happening over the weekend. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. And like, it is still, a, it's a reasonably long stint, so it's maybe not entirely surprising that he feels, well, I've done all I can do here and it's time for a new challenge. It's obviously an enormous loss to Leinster because they've had to replace quite a few personnel behind the scenes and replacing Lancaster will not be easy. I mean, he's been talked about as almost the best, pretty much the best coach in Europe what uh, he does. So you're, you're trying to replace best in class here and I don't know where they go to do do that. Well,
2: what are you um, hearing, Joe? These murmurings that you heard a couple of months ago that you never bothered to tell us about at the time. Uh, are the murmurings you're <laughs> hearing today about who who the likely replacement is? No,
1: no, no, no. If, if I mean, I if we were to go on air with every rumour or murmur that we heard, you know, so... Um, I and we'd have a damn good show. It's not going to be a damn good <laughs> show. We should yeah. do it once a week. <laughs> and uh, not the only, like people in for Lancaster, um, which is, you know, as, as you would expect. Um, so I think based on Leo Cullen's answer there, it's fairly obvious that wheels are in motion and he's going to really enjoy press conferences for the next couple of weeks. You can you can just tell um, what else can he say? Uh, because I can't come in speculation, and you know, if we talked about everyone, well, we're not talking about everyone, and it's a bit more than speculation now. So um, that's just where we are. It's 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 tricky for them. But I was just saying to Andy Dunn last night on Wednesday night rugby, you lose McDawson. and now next season you have Lancaster and Sexton out the door. It's a it's a very new Leinster. Uh, it sure is five three
2: one zero six for the text number. Uh, that was like a poor Northern Irish accent, says Phil. That's very harsh, Richie. Harsh. That's harsh. Don't send them ones through. He tried his best there at very <laughs> short notice. No time to prepare. You get the very impression Suness is just loving stirring the pot these days. <laughs> well, he's very relevant. He's very relevant right now. Like, you know, we love Sooness on this show. But like, He's on Sky, he's on Talksport, he's in the Daily Mail. He's definitely got a new lease of life since he went to the Mail.
1: A bit more freedom. Yeah, that happens it, to people, is not it? the talk sport thing puts him a lot in the limelight as well Mm. because he gets hit with like 30 different topics and they're seeded out across social media across mondays outrageous what are they doing (laughs) what are they doing
2: terrible business model uh nathan and joe together and you managed to wrap up the golf chat in wow well under an hour well that's because we already did an hour and 40 minutes possibly for golf weekly earlier today yeah that's available Everybody right now, so uh, yeah, we kept it kept it tight tonight. You know, we know that everyone doesn't want to talk golf all the time. It's it's perfectly fine. Uh, so uh, Andy Dunn was brilliant last night uh, on uh, oh, Wednesday night rugby. So good. Uh, he was obviously talking about Kieran Frawley and the merging Ireland tour, and they're heading away on Sunday. We're going to hear from Shane Daly, who's on that as well. Uh, Kieran Frawley has matters closer to home though. Before that, Richie.
0: Yeah, and he's going to have a chance to start it out half for Leinster <clears throat> in that aforementioned meeting with Benetton tomorrow night. Returning to the team as well are the likes of Gary Ringrose, Robbie Henshaw, Andrew Porter, Josh Van Flier, and Caelan Doris.
2: Uh, we've been hearing a lot on O2BAM from Shane Hannan about this very protracted <laughs> search for a new Monaghan manager, one of several counties really struggling to get somebody, it felt like, to commit uh, to being their new senior football manager. But finally, Monaghan are getting there.
0: It would seem so. Yeah, their protracted search for a new football manager looks to be over at last as they are set to appoint Vinnie Corey as Seamus McEnany's successor. It was the end of June when McEnany stepped down after three seasons in charge. Corey won two Ulster titles as a player with Monaghan and retired in 2019. He's set to be assisted by his brother who was part of Mickey Graham's setup with Cavan in recent years.
2: Uh, So the World Rowing Championships uh, happening at the moment. We'll have plenty of coverage over the weekend. No Nilo 2 is going to be on on Saturday and Sunday, but a a very good day for the Irish crews.
0: Yeah, now it's going to have plenty to talk about, I think, over the weekend. Saturday, especially, it was a near perfect day for Irish crews at those World Championships in the Czech Republic. Four progressing to A-finals today. Fintan McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan won their semi-final in the lightweight men's double schools. They'll race for gold on Saturday. The women's four of Emily Hegarty, Fiona Murta, Emer Lam, and Afrik Kyo advanced by placing second in their semi-final as well. The lightweight women's double schools, Margaret Kremen and Eva Casey also finished second in their semi-final. And Katie O'Brien and Stephen McGowan were second in their repechage to clinch a spot in the para-mixed double skulls.
2: Uh, I've mixed emotions about this next story, Richie. Uh, <clears throat> so Euro 2028 is going to remain at 24 teams?
0: Yeah, UEFA are going to scrap plans to extend Euro 2028 to 32 teams. Ireland are part of a joint bid with the UK, of course, the host of the tournament, and they're competing with Turkey for that, right? With more than half of Europe able to qualify for a 32-team competition, there were fears the broadcasters would show little interest in the qualifying matches. Mm.
1: Yeah. Where, where is that going to end? Where do you think we'll end up? World Cup number of teams. Well, we're heading for what? 48? Well, we can't really go 48. greater than 48. Can you? Well, 20 years ago I told you round number. 20 years ago if I told you we were at 48 you would have said there'll be no chance. So <clears throat> Uh, 32 teams
2: did increase the chance that if it's in Ireland that we would actually be there Uh, so even for that reason alone uh, and they're probably like qualification has been dumbed down to such an extent you know we're looking at the draws on in a couple of weeks for Euro 2024 and the top two qualify automatically then there's playoffs for teams that finish third there ends up in a lot of games that don't really matter in fact the Nations League has become a far better competition than qualification now for the major tournaments. Even looking at those fixtures tonight, watching that Scotland-Ukraine game last night was really good. Uh, it was good quality to it. Two teams, similar ability. Uh, they all seem to matter with the sort of ladder system that there's actually something at stake for every game, even for Ireland, Scotland. Even though Ireland can't finish top of the group, in you know, all likelihood, still matters in terms of seedings and things like that. That maybe there's actually a, an expanded Nations League. I know it wouldn't
1: work for the Minnows and Ireland. Yeah. It's definitely beaten the friendlies. I mean, that's for sure. It's been very good. I, th- I think it still does have a degree of the, uh, can you explain to me better than Kevin Kilban how it all works problem? But uh, we're getting there. <laughs> Nobody has done
2: a more damaging job to the Nations League <laughs> than that one night Kilban decided to step in. Uh, Manchester United financial news, Richie. Oh yeah, good
0: news. Yeah, Manchester United have announced a net loss of £115.5 million for last season, despite revenues rising by 18 percent the club's debt rose by 22 percent to 514.9 million the glazer family also shared in a dividend of 33.6 million pounds despite those sizable losses the incoming transfers of cristiano ronaldo Jaden sancho and rafa varan saw their wage bill rise to more than 384 million pounds the highest in premier league history
2: yeah, it's absolutely insane uh, the wages as we've seen from many graphics over the last few weeks the top paid players in the Premier League and so many of them at Manchester United uh, we got to leave it there lads Richie, thank you as always Thank you lads Joe, enjoy the weekend that, Cheers Your Sunes is like soonest losing his voice bit by bit Give us well, one last I Jim White Give us one Jim You're, you're bit much bit. more comfortable with Jim White <clears throat> I'm much more comfortable Nathan, it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you here on Newstalk I'm heading to Scotland first thing in the morning, I feel like I'm already there.